Amen. Young people, you are dismissed. Let's take our Bibles, please. Turn to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19 this morning. And the Lord had given me a message from the book of Judges. And uh, I worked on it as I could throughout the week. And then this morning I was up early and finished it up. And then Brother Cody read his scripture and it just touched my heart about something different. And uh, thank you, sir. And I just felt like uh, perhaps the Lord would go us, have us go in this direction this morning, Matthew chapter 19. And I will confess that I preached the message here 13 years ago. And it's been a long time, and so many of you weren't here then. And uh, the rest of you don't remember what I preached last week, so that's okay. Matthew chapter 19. And uh, I'm, I'm going from memory. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't preached so much in those 13 years. But uh, I, just, I just feel like there's a thought here that the Lord would speak to our hearts about this morning. In John chapter 6, you'll remember that Cody read for us this morning that after these hard sayings, many turned back and followed him no more. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ was a lightning rod of controversy. He really was. He was divisive in everything he did. The Bible talks about the word of God being an offense, and Jesus was the living word. I don't know about you, but I would like to think that I'd be of the crowd that was not offended that I'd be one of the ones that was faithful to the end, that would walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And, but even his very disciples, the night he was taken, the Bible says they all forsook him and fled, every single one of them. Judas would betray him and Peter would deny him. And I hope and pray that I would never be counted among that number. But we see even the most faithful are tempted to fall away. In John chapter 6, Cody reminded us this morning that there was many that followed him no more. And that plays into our thought this morning in Matthew chapter 19. And many years ago, I read this, these, just these two verses, and God began to speak to my heart and said, there's something more there. And I began to look and look, and I said, Lord, I, I just don't, I don't get it. I don't see it. He said, just keep reading. Just keep reading it and keep looking and, and look before it and look after it and, and find the message that I have for you. And I want to share that message with you this morning Matthew chapter 19, look if you will, in verse 1. The Bible says, And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these sayings, and there he is preaching again. You remember in John 6, he was preaching. He'd finished these hard sayings. There's a lot of people that will come to church when, when you hear a Joel Osteen type of message. Three ways to be happy. Three ways to have joy. Three ways to, to boost your finances and all these great things that you can hear about and, and help you. And, and by the way, I think the Bible does have answers to those things. I want to have joy and real joy is found in Jesus Christ. And, and from time to time we need those. But there are uh, one of the greatest blessings I just had a little while ago is my, my son Brendan and his wife were in a church. And, and they've been there for quite some time since they were married. And, and he says, Dad, we're, we're, we're looking for another church. And I went, oh, great. And he says, yeah, he says, I'm tired of hearing this happy, happy, joy, joy every week. He says, I need my toes stepped on. I need to hear some preaching, some meat of the word. And that blessed my wife's heart and my heart to, to hear, you know, he's gone through his struggles spiritually and to hear that he's craving something that will speak to him and help him grow. And, and that was a, a, de a delight in, in our lives. We look for those little slivers, don't we? But sometimes we, we become so comfortable with those happy sermons, those joyful things, and that's all we crave. We don't want anybody to step on our toes. 
The preacher raises his voice at all and people get angry and leave. You can preach about a lot of sins, but if you preach about my sin, then I'm not happy about it. Don't dare preach about the sins of the greatest givers in the church. Don't talk about the sins of the deacons or the Sunday school teachers. I'm going to assure you something this morning. The message is not about sin. It's about being faithful to follow Jesus no matter what. There are going to be some hard sayings. You can't cut parts out of your Bible. There's going to be some times in your life where you're going to come across something and you're going to say, I've read that a thousand times and it has never pricked my heart like it did today. And you're going to have to come to some conclusions and make some decisions based on the Holy Word of God that you're going to change and you're going to live differently and you're going to strive to be holy in Christ Jesus. The Bible says the Lord Jesus Christ, it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these sayings, he departed from Galilee and came into the coast of Judea beyond Jordan. And great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. That's all it says. You'll notice in verse 3, the Pharisees also come unto him, tempting him. It just changes gears completely. After he came into Galilee, there's Pharisees. That came. The Pharisees showed up everywhere Jesus was. The Pharisees always wanted to question the works of God. But as far as this narrative goes, all we have is that when Jesus finished preaching in the coasts of Galilee, he left there and entered into Judea beyond Jordan. Those two words are important, and we'll look at them in a moment. And when he arrived there, the Bible says he healed them there. Many followed him, and he healed them there. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, I pray that in my weakness you'd be made strong. That in my frailty you would have power. Lord, that you'd give me my voice for the next few moments that I can be the voice that you want me to be on your behalf. I need your strength. I need your Holy Spirit. And I pray that you'd fill me. I surrender to you. Thank you for the worship this morning. I've been so moved, so blessed. And I pray that it would prepare our hearts to hear from the word of God today. The Lord will thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And it came to pass that when Jesus finished these sayings, he departed from Galilee and came into the coast of Judea beyond Jordan, and a great multitude followed him. I want to talk about that multitude for a moment. The Bible says a great multitude followed him. It does not give us a number. We don't know how many there are. Maybe maybe a thousand, maybe 300. I, I don't know what the Bible constitutes as a multitude, but a great number of people decided after hearing the things that Jesus had been teaching that they would follow him out of Galilee and perhaps not even know where they were going. The Bible says they would come into the coast of Judea beyond Jordan and there that the Lord Jesus Christ would begin to minister to their needs. But I want you to think about this multitude for a moment and and I want to focus in on this thought. They had a pretty good reason to follow Jesus. In the last several chapters before Matthew chapter 19, you will find that the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking as no man has ever spoke before. He will talk about marriage and divorce and remarriage and things like that. And, he, and in all of that, when the Pharisees would put somebody away and, and shame their family for a divorce, Jesus showed love and kindness. 
They saw people that were lepers and put outside the city that the Lord Jesus Christ would go and embrace and love. They got to witness as the Lord Jesus Christ spake and blinded eyes began to see or he called out Lazarus from the grave. And so I want to suggest to you today that these people had a good reason for following Jesus. They were enamored by him. They, they loved his preaching. They enjoyed what he was teaching and investing into their lives. And, and, and the Bible says that when they got to the place they were going, he healed them there. And so many of them had needs, physical needs. And they would follow Jesus hoping for more than just teaching and more than just preaching, that God in the flesh would minister to them and help them. And so they followed him. If I could just step aside for a moment this morning and, and suggest to you today, maybe you've lost sight of the reason that you follow Jesus. Can I say that in 1977, as a five-year-old little boy, I put my trust in Jesus and he washed away all my sins. And every time I fail him, he forgives me again. And he's faithful and he's just and he forgives me of my sin and he cleanses me from all unrighteousness. That's enough. That's enough for me to follow Jesus. But the Bible says he's also given me his spirit as the earnest or the down payment of the presence of God in my life and that he will walk with me and he'll talk with me. He's also given me his holy word to guide me as a light unto my path and a lamp unto my feet. He's given me the hope of eternal life in heaven in the presence of Jesus Christ for all eternity. All of these things is why I follow Jesus. If you look into your heart, you have a good reason as well. As a matter of fact, if you're one here today who says, well, I'm not really following Jesus, let me tell you, there are a lot more reasons to follow him than not to. You say, oh, but I, I want freedom. No, you, you're going to be in the bondage of sin. Oh, but I want, I, I want to live my life the way I please, and it'll lead you straight to hell. You can take the broad way, but its paths lead to destruction. But those that find the narrow way through the Jesus Christ who is the way, the truth, and the life will find eternal life and the joy that accompanies it. You have a good reason to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to suggest to you today that when they had a good reason, they also made a great effort. I want you to think of the climate of the days. How many of you have been to Israel? Raise your hand if you've been to Israel. A few have. Good. Amen. Brother Stone you, is here today, Pastor Stone. you got a trip next year. At the end of the service, you come up and announce that, all right? We'll have you announce that. And uh, if you're interested in going to Israel, I'd encourage you. It'll change your life. It'll change your view of the Bible, all right? But if you can picture in your mind Israel, I, I remember our, first, our second night in Israel. It was at Tiberias on the Sea of Galilee. This is the area Jesus was ministering in. This is the place that the Bible's talking about, Capernaum and Tiberias and, and all those little villages around uh, of Galilee. And the Lord Jesus Christ had a season of ministry there. And the Bible says he left that place. And, and I, I, if I remember Israel, I remember it was a lot of hills and valleys. It was a lot of dry desert places. Except for right along the Jordan River where, where the Jewish people have transformed that place into a, a great agriculture area. It is a place of desert and heat and suffering. 
I also know this, that from Galilee to Judea, if you were to draw a straight line on a map, it's about 70 miles. Well, the Bible puts two words in there that are important to us, the words beyond Jordan. And here's why. Because if a Jewish person was leaving Galilee and headed to Judea or vice versa, leaving Judea and going to Galilee, here's how they'd go. They'd leave Galilee and they'd head east across the Jordan River. Then they'd head south through the desert and they'd cross the Jordan River again into Judea. They said, why would they do that? Because they had to avoid a place called Samaria. At all costs. You remember in Matthew chapter 4 when the Lord Jesus Christ said, I must have needs go through Samaria. All the disciples were taken back. Why would we go through Samaria? We never go through Samaria. But Jesus had an appointment with the woman at the well. And so the Lord Jesus Christ, when the Bible says beyond Jordan, that's what it's telling us, that he crossed the Jordan River with all these Jews, and he's headed south, and he crossed over again into uh, the place of Judea. And I, as I think about that, I think about the great peril of crossing this river and, and, and traveling south and crossing again. And so it was a great effort for these people to travel 70-plus miles. I also want to suggest to you today that it was a great sacrifice. How long do you suppose it would take to make this journey just one direction by foot? How many miles can you walk in a day? Uphill, downhill, climbing mountains, through valleys, crossing rivers. How many miles can you walk in a day? And you're not just traveling alone. Perhaps there would be families with children and others that would be in a caravan type situation. And that always slows things down. My wife and I could get in a car and we can drive to Lubbock, Texas in about 25 hours. We just did that in June. When we have kids in the car, it takes us 4,800 hours. Because you have to stop at every single bathroom along the way. And as soon as you get three of the kids back in the car... The fourth one gets a mile down the road and says, Dad, i got to go too. You know how it is when there's a caravan, a group of people, and there's always those added complications. And, and, and so there was a, a sacrifice of all. And I, I, I would think that it would probably be at least three or four days. And then they'd spend some time there with Judea. But here's the thing. The Lord Jesus Christ never gave them an itinerary. He never said, come with me and we'll go down to Judea and we'll, we'll spend a few days there and, and then you can come back and go back to your lives. I believe with all my heart when these people began to follow Jesus, they were committed to the end. They said, we're going to follow him. I picture some of these things that perhaps there was some that went to their employer and said, I'm, I'm going to go and follow Jesus. And, and, and the employer said, well, how long are you going to be gone? A week, two? I don't know. Well, you go, but I have to hire somebody else to cover your spot. You won't have a job when you come back. You can go follow this Jesus, this, this prophet, this teacher if you want, but I have to keep my business going. I wonder in that group if there wasn't a husband that came home to his wife and said, we must follow Jesus. And she said, are you crazy? Who is this Jesus? 
Oh, I've been listening to him teach, and he, he's been telling me things that I've never heard before, and he, he, can, he can help our marriage, and he can help us raise our children, and he can bring God into our home. The wife says, you can go follow him, but I won't be here when you get back. Maybe there's some young people that went home to mom and dad and said, we want to follow Jesus. We'd like to go on this trip to Judea. And mom and dad discouraged them. Oh, parents, don't you ever do that. He said, oh, we don't do that. Baloney. I can't tell you how many kids I know that say, I want to serve God and go to Bible college. And the parents say, no, we had a different plan for your life. We have a different path for you. The Bible says something about if you offend one of these little ones, it'd be better for a millstone to be hung around your neck. That's Bible, not me. Be very careful. These, these are not, I, I don't mean this unkindly, these are not your children. They're the heritage of the Lord. They belong to God. And he can use them as he sees fit. Well, what if a young person went to his parents and said, I've been, I've been listening. My friend invited me to hear Jesus. And I went and I saw people get healed. And I saw others uh, have their lives changed around. I saw demons cast out. I saw drunkards uh, come to the Lord. And, and they're no longer drunk. And they're in their right mind. And, and I want to follow this Jesus. Maybe the parents discouraged them. Said, you're too young to go off on a trip like that. So some people had to make some sacrifices if they were going to follow Jesus. The Bible says that it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these sayings, he departed from Galilee and came to the coast of Judea beyond Jordan. And great multitudes followed him and he healed them there. I want to try to demonstrate something to you this morning if I can. I've given you kind of a, a, the climate of the situation, the background. Maybe what was going on in some of the hearts and minds of the people and some of the sacrifices that were made and the effort that must take place for this trip to happen. I, I'm going to try to demonstrate something now. If I could have uh, all the teenagers come up here real quick and just uh, stand over here. Come up here behind the piano and stand over here. All the teenagers come quickly. Come on, come on, I need your help. All right. All right. Good looking group. Just go right on over here behind the piano. Just beside the piano is fine. Okay, guys? Good night. All right. Wow, there's a lot more than I thought. That's good. I want you to picture this with me. This is going to be the multitude. Okay? How many, how many of you know that in our efforts to follow Jesus, our human nature messes it up a lot of times? Right? How many, how many times have you gone to an altar and prayed, God, I, I'm gonna, I've, I've committed myself, I'm going to, and then very next day you're back to where you were. Bible, how, the Bible says the dog is so quickly returned to his own vomit. We just keep going back to those things that have killed us over and over again, and we, we fail over and over again, and we, we, in our mind we want to follow Jesus, but our hearts are far from him. And so I picture this multitude, and this is a good group of young people. Thank you for being here today. And among this multitude, I wonder 
if there weren't some that, and, and for lack of a better phrase, I'll say this, came to their senses. What if they crossed that river Jordan and they begin that trek southward and somebody says, I kind of recognize this trail that we're taking. This is, we're going down to maybe Jerusalem or Judea. We're going down to the south part of the country because we're just avoiding Samaria. And they begin to clue in that's what's going on. And maybe there's a young couple, this two right here, husband and wife. And I'm just, just an illustration. Relax, sir. You're okay. This young couple, and they, and they begin to natter at each other and say, is this really what we signed up for? We've already crossed the river once and we're going to have to cross it again into Judea and we're going to have to, uh, when we return home, we're going to have to do the same thing, cross it again and head north 70 miles and we're going to have to cross it again and we've got little children with us and this is dangerous. We're out here in the desert sleeping at night with scorpions and snakes. By the way, if you follow Jesus, Jesus will take care of you every time. And so maybe they decided that they'd go home. You can go. Maybe they traveled a little bit further. Now it's been a week. And they get down to the southern part, and they're just about to cross that river again. And there's a young man that's got a job. And he starts thinking, what have I done? I've gone a week now without pay. And the food that I brought with me is starting to run out. And maybe I got just enough to get home and I can beg my employer for my job back and maybe if I... So he has a change of heart and he goes home. Now listen, I, I'm, I'm not trying to put things into the Bible that aren't there, but how many of you think that human nature may have caused some of that multitude to fall away as they went? This was a long, hard journey. It took effort. It took sacrifice. And if I know human nature, very few are willing to make that effort and sacrifice to follow Christ. Maybe there was somebody else, a young lady, that her whole life she'd been walking with a bad leg. And she's limping through that desert and she's got a stick to kind of help her along. But the more she walks, the more pain she's experiencing. With every step, every bone in her body is jarring and aching. And she said, I heard about these healings. And when he was in Galilee, he was healing people all the time. But notice what the Bible says, he didn't heal anybody on the trip, he healed them there. It wasn't until they got there. He hasn't preached. He hasn't healed. And she's getting frustrated. Maybe she felt like this last Wednesday, I said to them, somebody said, how are you feeling on Thursday? I said, well, I haven't prayed for death in two hours, so I'm doing pretty good. You ever get sick and you just feel, listen, you haven't, had a, you haven't been sick till you've had a man cold. Let me just tell you, right? And she's just frustrated. And she says, I've, I've, I've had enough. If Jesus isn't going to heal me, I'm going to go home. Maybe there was another that just said, I just love his preaching. All the things he was teaching in Galilee, I wanted to hear more. But he hasn't spoken in days. Let me ask you, have you ever gone through a spell 
Have you felt like the Lord hasn't spoken in a while? How many weeks have you come to church? The Lord hasn't stirred your heart. I, I'm not going to suggest you do this because this is counterproductive for a, for a pastor. But miss a Sunday, and I'll tell you what, I was tore up this morning. I couldn't go to church last week. I couldn't worship. And I, I was just tore up by the worship. I was sitting there crying all the time. You don't know what you have until it's gone sometimes. But you ever go through those spells where you feel like the Lord is not speaking to you? Not moving in your heart? As I sat in the front row, I looked around quite a bit today. I wasn't able to sing. I raise my hands, or I clap my hands, I do whatever. But here's what I noticed. I, I thought in my heart, and I'm not picking on anybody. I thought there's some people that came here to sing, but there's some here that came here to worship today. The Bible says you praise me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. You just see it. Standing on the solid rock, on Christ the solid rock, I stand. And you, you've sang that song 13 times a year for 40 years, and the words mean nothing to you. How about how great thou art? And when I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. That on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died took away my sins. Has the Lord spoke to you this morning? Maybe you're in that place where you just feel like the Lord hasn't spoken to me. And so I'm going to go home. I'm not going to follow anymore. And so the one that had come to hear him speak said, I'm going to go home. Now notice what happens. The Bible says they come into the land of Judea, verse 2, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. I'm not saying it happened like that. Maybe everybody made the trip. But I dare say if I know my own heart, there are many that didn't. I'm not patient. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not a patient guy. My wife will tell you that I don't wait in line. If there's a lineup, I'd rather just go home. I just don't want to stand there for two hours for whatever it is. I don't care. I'll go home. Just, just take me home. She'll tell you that. I wonder how many just out of impatience could not wait on the Lord. How many just because they were frustrated how many because they had been praying that whole trip and God never heard them? Well, the Bible says they came into the land of Judea. And you guys step out here in the middle more now, okay? Come on right across here, all right? And the Lord Jesus Christ turned around and he saw them. And, and, and maybe as, as he did with so many other instances, he had them sit down on the ground. You guys don't have to do that. Just had them sit down in groups. And it was still a pretty good multitude. There was still a lot of people there. And the Bible says he went through and he healed them. And he ministered to them. And he loved on them. And he healed them there. 
Here's the principle. Only those that said, I'm going to stay all the way to the end with Jesus. I'll never forsake him. I'll never deny him. I'm not going to walk away. Only those who made the entire trip received the blessing. They got to meet with Jesus. And their needs were met. I wonder how many times we quit too soon. Just give up. I wonder how many times, I'm going to be honest, you guys may be seated, thank you. I'm going to give you a little insight, something I've never told you before. About four years into our ministry here, my wife and I talked, and we thought we were done. We had battled so many battles. Some was doctrinal error. Just, just I, I'm not going to get into it. Some people you might know, and it doesn't, it doesn't matter anymore. We just fought and fought and fought. Every time the phone rang, we thought, here's another battle. And so we prayed about it. And we came to this conclusion, that, well, maybe the Lord had brought us here just to fight these battles. He knew I grew up here and I loved the church and loved the people. And that some of these battles had to be fought. And we realized, but how do you pastor a church after? And so we thought, okay, Lord, if, if that's what you want, you want us to fight the battles and then we leave so that things are better for the next fellow, that's fine. And over the next year, we said, let's finish it. And we doubled down and we, every battle that was kind of pushed aside, we said, all right, let's talk about this. And we dealt with it. And some more people left and others got things straightened around. Praise the Lord for that. And right about the end of that fifth year was when revival broke out here. You remember the Faithman Quartet. Brother Calvin Allen preached and 32 were saved that night. Baptized over the next several weeks. And God changed the spirit of our church. And we've been growing ever since. And I praise the Lord for it. But I wonder what would have happened if we left after four. I'm not saying that, that God, I'd already decided we were gone. I'm not saying that I'm anything special. We had decided we will fight this until it's done and then we'll leave. We would have missed the blessing. A pastor friend of mine said that his church ran 100 people for 13 years. He says, but in the 14th year, we ran 150. In the 15th year, we ran 250. And eventually the church grew to 700 people he said, man, I'm glad I didn't quit after 13 years. I'm just saying there's a blessing in faithfulness. And some of you have been praying a long time for some things. And maybe there's even some things you've left off praying. And you say, God, God's not hearing me. And I'm not hearing from the Lord. And the healing isn't coming. And the pain isn't subsiding. And the change that I need isn't happening. I'm saying, hang on. 
and be faithful. Because you might just have to cross one more river. And the Lord might turn and sit you down. And say, be healed. It might be right there. How many of these folks was the Lord just testing to see if they would keep following him? Consider me, consider with me this thought. Of those young people that remained on the stage this morning, what if, what if some of them returned to Galilee? Jessica was no longer limping. She's running through the streets, praising the Lord. The couple that was struggling in their marriage is smiling and holding hands. The ones that are sick and gray-skinned and pale were now full of flesh color and vibrant again. A teenager that was addicted was now set free. Can you imagine them trickling back into their cities and towns? What happened? What happened? You, follow, you just kept following Jesus. What happened? Oh, let me tell you what happened when we got there. Let me tell you what happened because I didn't quit. Because I decided I was going to follow Jesus all the way. You thought there was something better in coming home that, that your job would help you. And you thought that by coming back home to your wife, that would heal your marriage. And you thought that by coming back home, that maybe your health would improve. But let me tell you, by following Jesus, I found the answer to everything. And now I'm made whole. Listen, you're, is your marriage struggling today? What you need is Jesus. Somebody told me this years ago, he says, my, my marriage is not just me and my wife, it's also the Lord. And he says, the Lord is here. My wife and I are here. He says, the closer we get to Jesus, the closer we get to each other. Isn't that a great analogy? He said, I'm sick and I'm hurting. I've been to many doctors. There was a lady in the Bible that spent all of her living on doctors. And then she met Jesus. And let me tell you this, if he chooses not to heal you, I promise you this, he'll give you grace. And his grace is sufficient. Whatever your need is today, let me encourage you, just keep looking unto Jesus because he's not just the author, he's also the finisher of our faith. You must be faithful to him. Let's bow this morning. My voice is done. If God has spoke to your heart, this altar is open. Maybe there's something you've laid off praying for. I, I remember my wife prayed 25 years for her father to be saved. 25 years before he accepted Christ. What if she quit at 24? 20? 15? God could have saved him anyway, but what if she quit? Let's stand to our feet this morning. The instruments are going to play. Is there something you've laid off and thought that'll never happen? Could I encourage you to renew your faith in Christ today? So I'm going to trust him again. 
I'm going to believe with all my heart that he can heal me, that he can fix my marriage, that he can help my teenage son, my daughter, that he'll, he'll guide my grandkids and he'll save their souls. Maybe you've been tempted to quit. I, I just don't, I, I don't want to teach anymore. I don't want to, I don't want to serve anymore. I don't want to do this or that because my heart is so heavy and I don't see the, the results of the fruit. Be not weary and well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Keep looking unto Jesus.